Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com slash FYC. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. It is Friday, October 14th. What do the following have in common? A Hollywood talent agency, professional bull riding, supermodels, art fairs, stylists, music touring, a high school football academy, and the UFC. They're all businesses owned and operated by Endeavor, one of the most varied and interesting companies in entertainment. About 18 months ago, this amalgamation of sports and entertainment went public under CEO Ari Emanuel. He's an agent for stars like The Rock and Charlize Theron. You might remember him being parodied on Entourage. Knowing Ari, it wasn't that much of a parody. Today, running Endeavor day-to-day is its president, a guy named Mark Shapiro. Mark has had a great career in entertainment. He was a longtime ESPN executive and its head of production. Then he became CEO of Six Flags. He's run Dick Clark Productions, which produces award shows. And he's been with Endeavor and its predecessor companies since 2015, 2016. He's got a ringside seat, sometimes literally, for the emerging trends in sports and entertainment, and particularly the talent that makes all of these businesses run. What is the future of these companies when we're headed pretty clearly into a recession? Is gambling the answer for sports? What about sports on streaming services? And what about the future of talent agencies themselves when the future of celebrity and talent and what it means to be a star is so up in the air? That's what we're jumping into today. Mark Shapiro sees it all. From Puck and The Ringer, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Mark Shapiro. Mark is the president of Endeavor. Welcome, Mark. Matthew, great to be with you today. Big fan of your show and, of course, your column. Thank you. We, uh, we've known each other for a while, and the reason why I wanted to have you on the show is because I think you have a pretty unique perspective on what's going on across the entertainment spectrum. And it seems that the overall economy right now is in a pretty precarious spot. No doubt. People are questioning what they're going to spend money on due to inflation, due to a possible recession, housing prices, everything. How do you think, from your perspective, this is going to trickle down into the entertainment world? And what are you already seeing? When it comes to your wallet, your discretionary spending is limited. And so no matter what business you're in, and we're in entertainment, sports, fashion, music, culinary, we're in the audience business 
you have to assume things are going to tighten up on you. So you have to be prudent from a from an investment standpoint, from a cash conservation standpoint, and just ultimately from a cost structure standpoint. So are you guys bracing for reduction in concert ticket sales in the market for entertainment being purchased for streaming services going down? Where are you seeing it? Look, here's what I can say in terms of today, the good news, and I want to be careful about, you know, material information with our earnings coming up, but we'll say the same thing we said last quarter and we pretty much said publicly, we're not seeing a lot of it yet. We're not seeing a lot of that contraction. See that, I know Ari, Ari Emanuel, the CEO, has said that publicly a couple of times now. And no, I, no, no, I, I no, no, no. He said something, Matthew, he said something different. We'll get to okay. that. All right. What I'm saying to you is we're not seeing a lot of shrinkage right now. We're not. Do we think it's coming? Yes. So you have to be cautious, you have to be prudent, and you have to plan for it. Maybe that means you're slowing hiring a little bit. Maybe that means you're not buying as much as you otherwise might. Maybe that means you're making less investments, but you have to plan for it. And I think it will be here loud and proud in 23. The only areas we're really seeing some slowdown is music's a little unpredictable, right? And much of that is just driven by the fact that pent up after the pandemic, everyone and their mother went on tour. And of course, the high premium acts are getting all the bookings and it's leaving the middle ground a little unknown. And Broadway, frankly, still hasn't fully come back. What Ari said was the streamers are still spending as much. That's what Ari said. And I know that you you questioned that, et cetera. What yeah, I, I mean, that's not what I talked to the agents at your company, WME, that's not what they're telling me. Some are saying, yeah, the high-end people, yeah, of course, they're getting their money. It's that middle area of shows. There are going to be fewer shows on these services. Yeah, but here's the deal. Here's the bottom line. You, you have the Disney Pluses of the world and the Netflix kind of staying flat to where they're, they're not cutting their spending. They're not necessarily growing it. They're staying where they are. They're in that 20 plus billion range. Maybe so far. Uh, they, correct, but that's what we're talking about. I'm not. No, we're I'm talking not about what people are planning. I mean, these things are these are eighteen wheelers. It's very tough to slow down, but they do slow down. Well, if, but hold on. Let's let's look at the other side of the coin. First of all, what they're doing is they're being more selective. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And by the way, probably should have been that way for a while, where a little higher end of management is the one that signs off on the approvals versus some of the folks that were doing it before. That's changing. It's also taking longer to get to a yes than it used to. It's taking longer to get a green light. But let me tell you, those folks, those two in particular, are still gonna pay for premium content, premium IP, and stars. End of story. Whether those stars are writers, directors, or on the air, they're gonna pay for them. On the flip side, while maybe they won't increase the budgets next year, or they'll they'll do it marginally to your point. And I think you're right about that. You have the other side of the coin where they're still ramping up. Paramount Plus is definitely spending more than they were. Apple is spending more than they were. Amazon is not only spending as much as they were, they're now into sports rights, right? Amazon is into sports rights. Facebook may be doing some more on on the content front. They're obviously freezing and laying off employees, et cetera. But there's other folks that are coming up the rear, making up for that. Not to mention even the Roku's of the world, right? Even those that don't spend a lot on original programming, Roku and Tubi are still spending more than they did. So all in all, as of now and the foreseeable future, short term at least, we're in a pretty good place. 
All right. One of the benefits of the past few years is this cheap money that allowed Endeavor to put together this group of assets that it purchased. When you look at this company and it's got so many different tentacles, what is the through line? What what is this? What is what does the UFC have in common with stylists or art fairs? Look, not all of it connects. And that's our job to make sure that the street and our constituents understand the narrative when it comes to Endeavor. But if you if you ask me why I feel good about our situation, our plan, our portfolio, and our growth trajectory, you, you can really boil it down to four things. One, the streaming business is strong, and that's not going away anytime soon. Forget the linear business, which is still pedaling along, and some better than others. Content is king. Content is in demand. Names influencers that move the needle on social, folks are going to pay for them. So streaming wise and everything WME packages on a daily basis or IMG distributes from a sports perspective, we're in a pretty good place there. Events and experiences. We own over 800 events and experiences. Some we own, some we operate, some we stage, some we license, but everything from New York Fashion Week to the Miami Open Tennis Tournament to the UFC. Events and experiences are still in this awesome post-pandemic Halo. They just are. Folks will pay more for a premium, immersive, communal, intimate experience like the Super Bowl. There. Representation we talked about. And then owned events. Look, if you bring me a good a good sports league that we can take a look at or we you know, could add to our portfolio that already has a built-in audience that we can just enhance, we're all over it. UFC is on fire. PBR is doing very well. We want more sports league. That's the Bull Riders. Yeah. The, um, it's interesting because... The Wall Street largely considers Endeavor to be a mixed martial arts company, and that's due to the significant revenue that the UFC generates. What about WWE? I, I, I disagree with that, too. Okay. Well, tell me why. I'll tell you why. What, what you mean to say is Wall Street largely values us appropriately. I still think we're a little below, but the UFC, our own sports property segment, is valued relatively appropriately given where other leagues of that ilk are trading. The rest of the company doesn't get the appropriate value. Okay, well, that's your that's your take. But I'm just saying from a, an investor perspective, there is a significant league out there right now, the WWE, that many believe might be sold in the next few years. Are you guys looking at that and how closely and what would it take for you to bring that in? Look, very similar model if you think about it, not just to the UFC, but in terms of historical context, right? Ari Emanuel, Endeavor, WME, represented Vince McMahon and WME, has been representing them for the last you know decade plus, very similar to what we were doing with the Fertitas in the UFC. So we know the WWE very, very well. We know the businesses. Hell, we know Stephanie. We know Nick Khan. Yeah. We know... I mean, obviously, the big difference is it's fake. It's not real. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not fake. It's scripted. It's, it's scripted. Sorry. It's, yes. <laughs> okay? It's more entertainment than it is sports competition like the UFC. But we, we've shown the streets, and frankly, everybody else in the industry that cares, what we can do when you put the UFC on top of the Endeavor platform. There's just all kinds of levers we can flip. And when it comes to the WWE, yes, that would be something that would be interesting, that would be worth exploring. Would we buy it? Who knows? Last time I checked, it's not for sale. But is it something we'd be interested in? We're interested in anything in the own sports properties segment. All right. Gambling. You guys have made a number of bets that the future of gambling is going to be intermingled with television streaming. 
Um, there's been some tre- retrenchment on that front. It's not as hot as it once was. You guys still big on gambling? We're still huge on sports betting. You just bet. You bought some companies. We did. We bought Open Bet, and obviously we have IMG Arena, which is one of the leaders in the space, along with uh, Sport Radar and 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 Genius. Look, there's no doubt about it. It's opening up. I mean, it's close to legalizing in Brazil. At some point, it's going to happen in California, Florida, and Texas. It's already half the states in the U.S. are now taking sports betting. Last time I checked, Wrigley Field is building a sports book, you know, inside its confines. So there's no question this is going to be what it is. The not-so-friendly confines when you lose. (laughs) That's that's right. (laughs) It'll take some extra security for that. So we're a big believer. But let me tell you, Matthew, we're a believer in anything around sports. When you look at sports – it's an audience business, and it's it seems to be one where rights fees show no sign of slowing down, whether that's linear, digital, streaming, social. Sponsorship is magnetic when it comes to, to sports leagues. Licensing opportunities, ticketing, NFTs, you know, you just cut across the board. Sports betting, it's just all going up, up, and up. Well, NFTs are not going up, up, and up right now, but whatever. We, we don't have to talk about that. College sports, how is the NL how is the NIL market being changed by agents? And what is your guys' role in all of that? Wild, wild west. It's state by state, it's school by school. It's look, they're gonna have to get their arms around it. But if you're WME sports, a couple things. One, you can you can monetize these incredible college athletes. And it may only be 10 athletes per school, five athletes, 15. I'm not really sure, but there are big name athletes everywhere from gymnastics to football. And when it comes to a local provincial level, which is what these colleges are, they're in college towns where brands are willing to pay premiums for their IP, for their likeness, for their face. It's a good business you want to be even from a commission standpoint and and a content standpoint. But most importantly, when they're ready to go pro, as we had with Chet Holmgren, who was the number two pick in the NBA draft from Gonzaga, when he went pro and now he's looking for an agent, to do his on-field or on-court contract, it's no coincidence or surprise he ended up with WME Sports, who was doing all of his NIL deals while at Gonzaga. I mean, is that really what this is, a way to get in on the ground floor now when you couldn't previously have clients that were amateurs? I think you can make money, period, just representing these clients. How much money? Like, give me a good example. Give me a a top quarterback, top college quarterback now. What is he making in the NIL market? If you're talking one of those big time schools that's always competing for the CFP or is in the running of the top 10, one of those one of those quarterbacks can make anywhere from 1 to 3 million a year or during yes, their career. A year, a, a year. year. Okay. A year. I can tell you one quarterback that's getting over 2 million dollars just on his auto deal. Hmm. In the sports context, you used to run ESPN or you were a head of content yes. at ESPN. Uh, if you were still there, what would you be doing with ESPN? Because it's a very different company than when you were there. Would you be investing in original content still? Uh, would you just ride out the rights that they have, the, the licensing deals with the leagues? Would you spin off the whole company? What would you do with ESPN? I'll tell you, first off, it's really not that much different than it was when I left in 2005. What's well, the, oh, are you, they're spending a lot less. The model is changing. Well, they're spending, well, are they? I mean. No, they're spending a lot more on rights deals, but they're not doing the originals and spending, you know, $5 million a year on SportsCenter That anchors. was pennies. We spent 3% of the, 
annual programming budget on original programs like Pardon the Interruption or Playmakers, the scripted series. It was it was always about live events. Always. I was paying one point one billion to move Sunday night football to Monday night football when we did that deal. That was what we paid. Now they're paying, you know, close to two billion dollars. Sports rights fees just keep going north because they are stable. They are consistent. They attract live audiences and people want to see them live. Highlights are huge and they all multiplex, as we all know. And they're looking at their social while they're watching the game. But big, tight games still draw big crowds. And that's why Amazon spent a billion dollars. So you have to keep spending. You have to be going after the big tens the way that. Fox and NBC and CBS chased it. You have to renew the NBA if you're ESPN. It's just, it's too, it's too, it's too pertinent to your overall strategy. So you've got to be big and still in the rights fee area to your point, right? But if you look at the, if you look at the Disney management, Disney has sort of pulled back a little bit. They weren't in on Big Ten. They want, um, you know, they're going into this NBA renegotiation. There's a lot of speculation as to whether they're going to get the NBA rights. Uh, I'm not so sure they're they're subscribing to your do whatever you have to do to keep the rights philosophy. Well, it's never it's never do anything at all costs. Let's just be clear. ESPN's not in that Big Ten equation anymore because they chose not to be in that. And the reason why they chose that is because it wasn't the A position. Fox has the A package. So ESPN had to decide, do I want to spend X or Y to have the B package? They're not used to having the B of anything. Let's just be clear about that. So they wisely, in my mind, step back. They step back. They're going to they're gonna play where they can run it. If you look at the NBA, who's got the A package? Turner or ESPN and ABC? ESPN and ABC. Mm-hmm. Monday Night Football is its own crown jewel. Baseball. Obviously, Fox has the World Series, but they've got playoff games. They've got the exclusive Sunday night window. Like, that's where they're playing. They'll pay premium, again, for premium content. No different than the streamers. I thought that was a wise move. Save your money. You're going to have other negotiations coming up, namely the NBA, namely our own very own UFC. And those are better investments, especially when you're looking at toggling between Linear and ESPN Plus than making a B package for the Big Ten. Yeah, and they also didn't go after the cricket rights in India, or they did, but they didn't spend to keep them when 30% of the subscribers to Disney Plus are coming from cricket fans in India. Yeah, who were all paying about six cents a sub. <laughs> yes. I, a, another applause for, for, for Bob Chapik on that one, I hate to right. say it. Um, how long until Monday Night Football moves over to ESPN Plus? Long time. <laughs> long time, really? Five years? I mean... That, that would be devastating. More than five years, Matthew. And let me tell you, it goes both ways. One, ESPN wouldn't want to do it. Two, the, the, while the cable model still exists, albeit 70 million homes or wherever they are right now, mm-hmm. they don't want to see it happen. And the owners don't want to happen. Because say what you will, what we're talking about, as you know, the best entertainment property. Forget sports. Forget sports. NFL is the greatest entertainment property. And somehow in this fragmented, cluttered environment universe, it keeps growing. Viewership is up. Matchups are more pronounced. Personalities and name value is higher than ever, right? Even with specific retirements that have hurt them the last few years and Tom Brady's, which will be coming at some point here. But the bottom line is they want the mass audience and still the most efficient reach is broadcast television. Will Netflix be in sports in five years? Absolutely. 
I think Netflix will be in sports before you know it. Like, like within the year? I would just tell you, look, we're, we're a big player. As you know, in sports distribution, IMG Media is the leader globally, right? We, we distribute 150 different properties to 160 countries every year or, or territories. So we're knee deep in it from tennis to snooker to football to basketball. And all I can tell you is they're seeing what it's doing for Amazon. This is a big winner for Amazon. They're seeing the move Apple made. And now they got to grow their, their paid subscribers. And now this whole advertising lever as well, you're not going to get there without sports. And that's why, back to your point, you, you can't be worried about the spending. You and I are talking about spending, and Netflix isn't even in the spending yet. And Peacock is going to, and Shell, they're going to start spending more. They're not going to live with 15 million ad subscribers. That's nothing. Or they throw in the towel. Well, yeah. Well, that, that, that's why Rupert's so brilliant. I'm either going to have to double down, triple down, quadruple down, spend so much and be upside down for a while, or I can just get out now. Yeah. And the fear from someone like yours Brilliant. perspective is that the consolidation will take buyers out of the market. We're already seeing it. Yeah. Do you believe that the advertising model is going to be additive for streaming or is going to save the business model of streaming? That's a tough one. I mean, that's like, look, all I can tell you is in the short term, it is mm -hmm. because because the street's buying it. <laughs> right. The street is definitely buying it. Um, and it's going to help them with our poo. But like long term, as you've written about, it's going to be scary. Like how many of those people dump their expensive ad free subs and move over to that? Like yeah. that, yeah. that could flip on them. And then all of a sudden in five years, it's just like television. And then where is the value proposition? Exactly. But right now they are the cable bundle. It's hysterical. They are exactly what we got rich on at ESPN. Getting a massive sub fee and then also a dual revenue stream. And that's what put broadcast television to death. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Let's switch over to the agency business because you know one of the more high profile, at least in the entertainment business, is WME, which is one of the big three talent agencies. It's in a gigantic constant fight with CAA and UTA for the best talent. Give us a, a little taste of what would surprise us about the agency business. Because I've heard over the years that, you know, while the movie stars get most of the attention, the general acceptance is that the movie star business is declining significantly. And the places where the money is coming from in talent representation has completely changed. Yeah, look, I mean, what are the next big opportunities or what are the big, I mean, look, we saw, we saw, consolidation, right? You saw that with ICM and, and CAA. You saw, you know, UTA get a, a terrific investment at a, at a high multiple, 
right? I mean, there's there's a premium on the representation business. The public market has a tough time with us in WME because they don't really know how to model it, right? It's a narrative. Well, the talent walks out the door. There's no asset. Well, you it, have it, these agents, you have these clients, but nothing is fixed. Wall Street's all about predictability, right? It's all about forward looking. It's all about forward. what I can tell you is WME is the double digit growth business on both the bottom line EBITDA and the top line revenue for the last decade plus, right? Okay, but where is that growth coming from? Where is that growth coming from? Because you can't package shows anymore. Packaging fees are outlawed by the Writers Guild. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, some of that packaging ended up playing to our advantage, not necessarily for our clients, but those commissions on a lot of these shows, I can show you six ways to Sunday, so many series that we're now making more money because we ended up commissioning versus the package. Believe it or not, that scale can go both ways. But where is it coming from? You, you've answered it. It's coming. TV's on fire. Linear or streaming, it's on fire. Movies still being made plentiful and paying ridiculous money for ridiculous name talent. But long term, yeah. these agencies are what they are because of the package fees that they are still being paid on for shows that have been off the air for 20 years. The back ends that these stars enjoyed for 30, 40 years are going away, replaced by upfront fees from streaming services. Don't you agree that long-term, the revenue model of these agencies is challenged? And that was one of the reasons why ICM decided to get out of the business and sell to CAA is that you've got to, there's going to be a time when this revenue that was counted on for many years isn't there. Look, the, the model has shifted. There's no way around it. Am I concerned about it? No, because let me tell you, while, while you and I talk about all these, while it's shifted, it's shrunk, it's contracted, you don't have the packaging, we also have 10 new revenue streams we didn't have six years ago. Well, that gets to my question as to where the money for these agencies is coming from. I, I've talked to people that say, you, you wouldn't believe what our Web3 business is. You wouldn't believe what our influencer business is. Do influencers now make more money than movie stars? In some cases, depending on who you're talking about, I mean, you know, without getting into names, you can represent ma some major gamers. <laughs> you can represent some major in digital influencers, creator economy folks, where, yeah, they're bringing in some big dollars and it's consistent dollars. And there's platforms that are thirsty for it. But the bottom line is you have all these growth areas that are nothing like either what they used to be or they're just brand new. Web3, Metaverse. Right. Talent Ventures has been a huge business for us. The books business has never been stronger, never been stronger. Right. Experiences that you're tied to. You see Netflix, they opening their own store in the Grove and they're taking Bridgerton on the road. I mean, non-scripted also what we built with Endeavor content. Who's to say we're not going to do that on a non-scripted side? So you have all these areas you just have to lean into more than you did before because the traditional lines of revenue are being challenged. That gets to the next generation of what these companies are going to look like in five, 10 years. Um, Ari Emanuel has said that the live events and sports betting businesses are going to be huge for you guys. That's stuff we already know. What are some areas of your business that the average listener may not know that you are particularly bullish on? Look, I think in in many ways we've we've covered that, and, and you know we you can't be everywhere, and you can't be all things to all people. But truly, you break down endeavor. We're a culture company. We really are. We're an audience business, 
right? Whether it's events, IP, individuals, teams, coaches, players, music artists, podcasters, they're all in the engagement business. That's where we are. And, and these platforms, these pipes are paying more and more premiums to get folks that can draw an audience and help them retain an audience. Because of course, prices are going up and people's wallets are tighter and more and more, their tastes are more fickle. And we're going to play in those spaces driven mostly by streaming content. We're going to play big in that area. That's why we made the investment and created Endeavor content, which we still own 20% of. That's why we're going to keep investing in having the best agents and, and creators at WME to attract the best talent that can come onto our platform and use our flywheel effect to grow their multi-hyphenate status. Because that's the case these days. If you're an agent and you're just staying in your lane, books or movies or TV and doing nothing else, you're going to lose your clients. It's all about multi-hyphenate today. And if it's not today, it's tomorrow. So we've built a playground. We built a factory here at Endeavor where we, we go about our business as if we're boutique, right? I mean, we're intimate in the way we architect careers, but we have so much that can just make it a yes. Not we'll go out and sell it. Not we'll go out and find a partner. Oh no, we have it here at Endeavor and we can turn it on for you. And we're going to keep plowing into representation. And then, and then that third the third metric I spoke about, the third, I would say, growth area is sports <laughs> and everything that is sports, everything that surrounds sports, because that's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, your rival CAA likes to characterize itself as a pure representation company, and they would say, we don't really know what Endeavor is. Guess what? <laughs> of course they're going to do that. And I'm not going to slam CAA. They do a good job at what they do. Right. I mean, they they do a good job in representation. They represent some terrific talent. They're trying to grow. They're trying to get investment on and on and on. But that's what you'd say if you didn't have all that we have. Right. That's what you'd say if you didn't have the platform that is Endeavor. Right. That that that's all you can do. That That's your only defense. Uh, we've had agents come over from CA or flirt with coming over from CA and like, Asking internally at CA, well, they have all this, they have all that. What do we have, or what's our plan to get it? And it's crickets. Does the stock price bother you? It's down about 20, 25% from where you guys launched. And look, I'm not, if, if, if I said it, you wouldn't believe me when I give this answer because I'm not, you're going to automatically assume, well, you're spinning. Look, would I like to be at least at our IPO price of 24? Yeah. But do I feel pretty decent about where we are relative to what's going on in the marketplace and other companies in our sector? Do I think Live Nations were 77 bucks? No way. That's over a, <laughs> that's over $100 stock. Do I think Bob Chapik and the Walt Disney Company should be at, you know, hovering around 100 bucks? No way. Not with just the growth of ESPN and the theme parks alone. But right now, everybody's depressed. Everybody's under pressure. And everybody is just looking for a paddle to stay afloat. And guess what? We're in a good place. We got plenty of cash on hand. We've got a lot of fixed debt. So we're not riding up and down on the, on the interest rates. We're, we've made some good investments. We have phenomenal leadership. And we're having at least the first six months, which we reported publicly, we had a very strong six months and we feel good about where it's all going. And we're playing the long game. I want to be clear about that, Matthew. Yeah, that makes sense. I get it. You know, just playing we go long. We're not here like every day checking the stuff. That's not that's not the business. Anyone who's doing that is stupid. 
Well, but a lot of these agents, a lot of these agents have been on a ride with this company and there was yeah. an attempt to go public prior to this one. It didn't work. And the leadership, Ari and Patrick Whitesell took hundreds of millions of dollars out of the company, which angered a lot of people. Finally, they got it to go public. And there was this promise of the windfall. And that's why I ask about the stock price, because the agents do care about that. Guess what? They do. But they're, they're also wise enough, especially our senior agents who have been at this a while and have a lot of invested equity to understand what's out there. Mm -hmm. And feel, they just want to feel good about the strategy, long-term prospects. They want to feel empowered. They want to know that we're being transparent and communicating with them. We're hearing them and we're letting them contribute and ultimately get paid for their performance. And I can tell you, from a cash compensation, they're getting paid for their performance. And from an equity standpoint, don't forget, with every passing year, every one of these long-term holders has the ability to cash in more stock at a price that's still north of what they ultimately got that stock. And as part of our architecture program, we reload people every single year based on what they're doing to drive value across the entire flywheel. All right. You've been there, what, six years now? Something like that. Give me the best story from your tenure with all these different companies. All right. So I don't know about the best one, but because there's so many when it comes to Ari Emanuel. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I'll tell you that certainly a memorable one is all my workings and, and journeys through sports at ESPN and entertainment ABC and, and music at Dick Clark and Endeavor, which has everything else. Never had I been to the Oval Office. <laughs> okay, so that's that's a new one. And the play is we're going in to meet with President Obama. It's the end of the day. It's roll up the sleeves, not have a drink, but kind of let's have a drink. And of course, he's got the relationship with Rom, who is his chief of staff. Rom Emanuel, who's brothers with Ari Emanuel. Yes, exactly. So Ari and him are already tight. And we're pitching him kind of ultimately on what he did, which, by the way, not with us. <laughs> the Netflix deal, books, speaking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and he is in, in the Harry Walker agency for speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. And we, we own that. But it was expansion and books and Michelle and everything else, the family and all the opportunities at his disposal. And he's a huge sports fan. So we spent the first 20 minutes of the hour talking about pardon the interruption and all my stuff at ESPN. And then we kind of get going. And where, and where the world's going and evolving and streamers and how fast it broadcasts, how long it's going to hang in, how long the cable model is going to work before it implodes and on and on and on. And just in classic Ari, I swear to you, two things. First, I've never seen, he was like on a, on a fire interrupting the president. <laughs> like, and you're just, oh no, you're on the couch. And by the way, the president didn't get upset because I think he's like used to it with Rom because all mm. the arguing they probably did. But like, you're almost uncomfortable at how much Ari was, no, 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 let me tell you this. Let me get this. Let me go here. Let me and you're like thinking this is, you know, the most powerful man in the world. And you can't get in a word in edgewise with Ari Emanuel. Were the, were the aides sitting there just like, uh, you don't talk to the president that way? It was just Valerie Jarrett. It, oh, was, it was just Valerie Jarrett. And then, so that goes on for a while. And then basically he gives what he, he says, well, let me give you my take. This is a, a President Obama. on where it's all going and, and streaming and, and direct to consumer and whatever. Maybe he was reading the journal that day. I don't know. And this was in 2016? Yeah. So this is like, Pre everything, Disney Plus hadn't even launched yet. Netflix was the only game in town. Yeah, exactly. This is, 
And, you know, obviously in the second term, or actually like I would say 18 months before he was leaving. Okay. And getting that plan and financially planning and all of this. Right. And so then, it was Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon that yeah, he's existed, giving, none of the other. giving his prediction, and, he, and Ari actually lets him talk. And then he goes, Mr. President, you're not somewhat wrong. You're 100% wrong. <laughs> all right, so seven years later, who was right? Well, let's just say, first of all, uh, Obama didn't end up signing with us. So, so that, that, that went that way. Mm -hmm. uh, other than the Harry Walker agency, and he, he does an incredible job with them, and, and he's obviously one of the greatest speakers in the history of the world. Um, but it, I think it was ended up being a little more in Ari's favor because mm -hmm. Ari was kind of talking about, hey, don't discount broadcast TV too fast over, you know, over the air. Don't discount cable. They're going to hang in for a while and they're going to have to feed both pipes. So don't be necessarily rushing to a streamer that doesn't have critical mass yet. Mm -hmm. So I think it was more in his favor, but we lost because, and we were wrong because we didn't win the account. I was going to say you won the conversation, but you lost the client. Uh, that's okay. You guys are doing okay. All right, Mark. Thank you very much. If anything, you will be an enthusiastic leader through this transition into the digital world. Appreciate the time. Always, man. Good luck and uh, congratulations on all you're doing. All right, we are back with the call sheet. Craig, did you see that they greenlit the Naked Gun reboot with Liam Neeson? I did. I am not going to predict that OJ Simpson will not be in this movie. Don't count it out. He's everywhere these days still. It, it, it does beg the question of who is the O.J. Simpson of today? It feels like something I want to refrain from answering. <laughs> Somebody who doesn't care of being cast in that part. Someone like a Jake Paul. Sure, yeah. Get him and Logan there together. God, uh, please uh, don't. Please do not. All right, that is not my prediction. Today we're looking at the box office. Halloween kills, opens. This is, they promise. Halloween this is ends. No, no, you're right. Halloween ends. <laughs> <laughs> they promise this is the last Halloween movie. I don't believe that for one second. Jamie Lee Curtis said this week that she would sign a contract saying that she will not be in any more Halloween movies. Um, I also don't believe that at all. But this movie is going to do pretty well. It's it's opening day and date on Peacock and in theaters. So you got to take a little bit off the box office because of that. But I think the over under on this is about 55 million. Most of the analysts say I'm going to take the over. I think that Halloween ends will deliver people are in the mood for horror there is nothing opening against it and yes i think that smile has done better than expected and people are are seeing that um last week we saw a 22 percent decline which was very very low for a movie like that that could be i that could bite into the halloween box office but i i think it'll get to 55 all right that's the show for today i want to thank mark shapiro for coming on i want to thank producer craig horbeck and i want to thank you we'll see you next week This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.